We open the Word of God to Psalm 136. We'll read the entire psalm together, and once again, we'll take the whole psalm as our text. Psalm 136. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, For his mercy endureth forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his mercy endureth forever. And Og the king of Bashan. For his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage. For his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel his servant. For his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our low estate. For his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Beloved in the Lord, Psalm 136 is a beautiful Poetic psalm of praise and thanksgiving. Among God's Old Testament people, among the Hebrews, it was known as the great Hallel. And that Hebrew word Hallel means praise God. Or the great thanksgiving. And this psalm was known as that for good reason. The the whole purpose and goal of this psalm is to praise and to thank God for His innumerable benefits. 
for His great goodness. And all of the gifts which He so freely bestows upon His people in His steadfast love and faithfulness, though His people are unworthy of them. That is the great purpose and the great theme of this psalm, which is captured both in the opening verse and in the last verse. As two beautiful bookends to this psalm. It begins, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And then verses 1, 2, and 3 repeat that call, that summons to give thanks to God. O give thanks. You hear the intensity and the earnestness and the joyfulness in this call. And then the psalm concludes with the same words, O give thanks unto the God of heaven. Everything in between verse 1 and verse 26 stands in the service of that call to give thanks unto God. Indeed, the body of the psalm is really a short summary of all of the things, all of the reasons we have as God's people to thank Him. The standout structural feature of this psalm that likely grabs our attention is the refrain, the repeated expression, for his mercy endures forever. This psalm has a very intentional poetic pattern. The The whole psalm follows this pattern. There is a statement of some gift of God for which we are called to give thanks. And then there is that Outburst of the heart, for his mercy endures forever. And that refrain itself is an expression of thanks, but it is more than that. It is also faith perceiving the deepest reason for the believer's thanksgiving. It is faith perceiving the hand of God our Father behind the gifts that he gives. It is faith perceiving that everything that comes to me from God's fatherly hand in this world comes to me from a gracious God who is good to me and is merciful and is faithful. And whether it is prosperity or adversity, hardship or ease that comes from his hand, it comes from his hand for my good. And thus that refrain is a beautiful expression of thankfulness as well as a confession of faith in connection with absolutely everything in the psalmist's life and in our lives. It ought to be the refrain of the Christian life. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And so we see that this refrain is not a vain repetition, but is the outburst of the believing heart that cannot hold back. As soon as one of God's gifts is set before us, we must from the heart say, Thanks be to God, for His mercy endures forever. The regular repetition of this refrain is like the heartbeat of gratitude. A regular pace over and over and over again. The heartbeat of gratitude. Lastly, by way of introduction, let's notice that Psalm 136 
is a beautiful psalm in that it covers so much in 26 short verses. It covers a lot of ground. Recounted here in the psalm are God's blessings, both physical and spiritual, personal and national, past and present. There is a a complete thanksgiving that is packed between the two bookends of verse 1 and 26. Really, in this psalm, we are taught to give thanks to God for absolutely everything that He gives us. Verses 1 through 3 contain a a threefold praise to God for who He is as the sovereign Lord, the God of gods. Not that He is the greatest God among many gods, but that all that belongs to being God belongs to Him. He is the one true and only God. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign one who reigns over all. Verses 4 through 9 contain praise and thanks for God the Creator, our physical blessings that we receive from Him. And then the psalm goes on in verses 10 through 15 to give praise and thanks for redemption and deliverance. And then verses 16 through 22, praise and thanks for guidance and preservation in the course of one's earthly life. Verses 23 and 24 summarize it all with thanksgiving to God for His graciousness towards us in our lowest state. Verse 25, a praise and thanks to God for His universal providence providing food to all flesh. And verse 26, the concluding call unto never-ending thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving day, let this psalm be our song. Let it live in our heart. Let these inspired words give us words to speak and to pray and to sing to our God this day. And let us unite our hearts to hear this word such that our souls may be moved by the goodness of God. And moved unto greater and deeper thankfulness. This psalm, this word of God helps us do what the last stanza of Psalter 288 says. My heart shall think upon His grace in meditation sweet. That's what the word is this morning. We will think upon His goodness, His grace to us in meditation sweet. With this result, my soul rejoicing in the Lord, His praises shall repeat. A good, beautiful repetition. The heartbeat of gratitude for His mercy endureth forever. Our theme is the central idea of the psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. First, we will see that we give thanks for all His gifts. For all His gifts. Secondly, for His faithful love. Then finally, forever. Thankfulness, not just today, forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for all His gifts. Maybe it's a question we ask ourselves or even ask our children out loud around the table on Thanksgiving Day. What are you thankful for? That's the question the psalmist was thinking about perhaps when he was inspired to write this psalm. What am I thankful for? And Psalm 136 is the psalmist's answer. And his answer is, 
I'm thankful for all God's gifts to me. And now let me recount them for you in a joyful song that you also may ponder God's goodness to you and join me in this song. I call upon you, God's people, the psalmist says. I call upon you, join me and sing, oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Let's go through those three main categories of things we have to be thankful for. The psalmist praises and thanks God as the creator. Thanks God as his provider. Verse 4. To him who alone doeth great wonders. Give him thanks for his great wonders. And really the rest of the psalm is unpacking that idea of God's great wonders. Everything in the following verses are wonders of God. God is worthy of praise because of the wonders that he has done. It's a reminder for us because it's so easy to thoughtlessly undervalue the wonders of God. The cycle of the seasons, the turning of another summer to fall, the green fields turning to golden brown, the farmers going out and harvesting the corn and the wheat. It's so regular. It's so ordinary. Sometimes we don't notice or we forget that it is a wonder. It is a wonder that the seasons cycle continuously, consistently the way they do. But that's due to God's faithfulness. Faithful to his promise. All the way back to Noah after he and his family came out of the ark and God said, Springtime and harvest. The cycle of the seasons will continue unabated. For your good, my people. Miracles are not just... The mighty surprising works that our Lord Jesus did when he healed the sick, cast out devils. Those are miracles and they're extraordinary because we see there the power of God working in a way other than it usually works. But let us remember that absolutely everything in this world, absolutely everything in the natural world is a wonder of God. Who else can do what God has done? Who can create this creation in which we live? Who can make the grass to grow? Who can pull the crops out of the dark soil? There is none but God who can do these things. And thus the psalm goes on to describe these wonders that our hearts may expand with awe and with thankfulness even for these ordinary things which so easily we thoughtlessly undervalue. Verse 5, to him that by wisdom made the heavens. What knowledge, what skill, what wisdom it took to chart out the sky. The beautiful blue sky. And not only that, but to map out the vast nether regions of space. That is the work of God's hand. What a wonder. Verse 6, to him that stretched out the earth above the water. God brought the dry land out of the water and appointed the sea and the oceans their bounds. And that's something that was a source of amazement to God's people in the Old Testament. It was amazing to them that the the water did not surge up and cover the world again. But that God preserves dry land for the habitation of man. Because he's faithful. Go back to the days of Noah. God said, I will never 
destroy this world again in a deluge of water. Verses 7, 8, and 9. Praise and thank God for He fashioned the lights. The great light to rule the day and the great night to rule the night. You see here that the psalmist was deeply familiar with the language of Scripture. He knew very well Genesis chapter 1 and the creation. And in this psalm he uses that very language of the Word of God. It was part of his soul. He looked at the sun and he saw the handiwork of God. He felt the warmth of the sun. And he knew that those rays of the sun were a gift not of the sun, but were a gift of the God who made the sun. And as he retired for the night under the mild light of the moon and was refreshed with rest as he went to bed, he said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for the lesser light to govern the night. And the stars which populate the sky in the dark hours. How worthy is God of praise. The eyes of faith see something that no mere microscope or telescope could ever perceive. The eyes of faith see in the ordinary things of the natural world, not some unguided mechanism, but the hand of the Creator, the almighty, everywhere present power of God sustaining and providing for His creatures. And so the call is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of creation for the world and all that in it is. It is God's good gift to us. God made the world for us, His people. As it's described here in the psalm, God made the world to be a fit habitation for man. It's like a house. God spread the beautiful blue ceiling overhead. God installed the light fixtures in that ceiling. The sun and the moon and the stars of night to give the appropriate amount of light for day and for night. God gave us a firm footing, a solid foundation in the dry land that he brought from the waters. He provides the waters to cool and to refresh his people. God has given all of these things, and they are good, good creatures, good gifts. He provides. He's provided us with the home of this world. He's provided us with food, as verse 25 says, who giveth food to all flesh. No creature eats, no creature drinks, except from the open hand of the Creator Provider. Let us acknowledge that. We do. We know it so well. It's ingrained into us and thanks be to God it is that this doctrine of God's providence has such prominence in our reformed tradition. Let us never abandon that for this is one of the most precious doctrines that we have in the Christian faith. The doctrine of God's providence. But that doctrine which is etched here, let it be, let it be here as well. So that providence becomes a lens through which we view all things. And now this morning, let us put on the spectacles of providence and look at everything. 
Look at the meal that will be upon our tables this afternoon. Look at the house around us. Go outdoors and look at the sky. Look at the landscape. Look at all things and say, Thank you, Lord, for thou art good, and thy mercy endures forever. But the psalmist is just getting started. His praise and his thanks for the creation and the provision of his earthly needs naturally leads to the provision that comes from this same God for all of his spiritual needs. God is not just the creator provider, but he is the savior provider. He not only gives life and being and nourishment to our bodies, but he restores life. To our souls. He gives nourishment to our spirit. He gives life eternal. And that's what verses 10 through 5 are about. The psalmist was an Old Testament believer, and so he recounts the blessings of salvation in Old Testament language connected with Old Testament events. And here in verses 10 through 15, He recounts the great redemptive wonder that was the exodus of the Old Testament church from Israel. In verse 10 he starts with that great act of judgment which was the tenth plague. God smote Egypt in their firstborn and he praises God and gives thanks for that judgment. And he says God's mercy endures forever. God's judgments are also mercy for his people. When God strikes the serpent, he has mercy upon the seed of the woman. God smote Egypt in their firstborn, and by his outstretched arm and mighty hand, he broke the stubborn will of Pharaoh and initiated the exodus. Like a shepherd, he gathered his scattered, enslaved sheep from the land of Egypt, brought them together into a fold, and like a shepherd, led them, enriching them with the gold of their former captors. As, Israel, or as verse 11 says, he brought Israel out from among them. He separated unto himself a people A people unworthy, a people undeserving, and yet a people, as Deuteronomy 7, 7 says, that God was pleased to set his love upon, not because they were so lovable, but because God was pleased to love them. He separated unto himself a peculiar, a precious people redeemed by grace and set them free from Egypt's dominion. Verse 12, With a strong hand and a stretched out arm, he brought omnipotence to bear in the gracious service of the salvation of his people. He held nothing back in his work to deliver, so that the very power that framed the heavens and the very power that brought the solid ground out of the waters was the power deployed to bring Israel out of bondage, to redeem Well, you go back to verse 4 and you see God alone, alone does great wonders. Who else can do wonders such as these for his people? He divided the Red Sea, verses 13 through 15. Whoever saw such a thing? He made the waters to stand up, to part, to turn into walls. He made the seabed a road, a way of escape. 
And when Pharaoh's vengeful hosts pursued, he brought the waters down upon them, an act of just judgment and tenderest mercy for his Israel. He made Israel to pass upon dry ground, burying their oppressors in the sea, and bringing redemption to Israel. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Beloved, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. He opens up His hand and fills your mouth with good things and nourishes your body with the fruits of the earth. And He opens up His hand and with grace He redeems your soul and nourishes your soul with good. He has redeemed your soul from death. He has brought you through the Red Sea, separating you unto Himself and overthrowing your foes in the depths. The God who does wonders has wrought for you and for me the exodus. Which Israel's exodus is only a picture of. The exodus led by a greater than Moses. The promised one, Jesus Christ. Christ has stricken our enemy upon the head. And just as Israel's firstborn were exempt from the judgment which could have fallen upon them as well. So too we are covered in the blood of the Lamb of God. God has led you out of spiritual Egypt. Out of the dominion of sin. Out of the bondage of death and the tyranny of the devil. And with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. He has separated you unto himself. And he has cast your sins into the depths of the sea. The Red Sea of Jesus' blood now separates you from Egypt. It's a permanent separation. It separates you from the condemnation that your sins deserve. It separates you from sin and unto God. Whoever thought of such a wonder? Israel escaping Egypt through the Red Sea. Who would ever conceive of the greater wonder? Salvation from sin and death through the cross Calvary. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for the exodus He has given you, His people. And now give praise and thanks to Him for the guidance and the preservation that He continues to supply to those that He leads on the exodus of Christ. And that's verses 17 through 21 now. The psalmist, having recounted God's great wonders in creation and all of his gifts of material bounty, and having described the great Old Testament act of redemption, the Exodus, he goes on to recount 
God's continued faithfulness to Israel. God did not bring Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea to forsake them in the waste howling wilderness. But the God who made a road through the seabed, made a road through the desert, and through the mountains, and through enemy nations, and through the fence of Amorite swords, into Canaan. Into Canaan. To the promised land. Yet another Of God's great wonders. The provider. The redeemer. Is also the unfailingly faithful. Shepherd leader. And shepherd king. Who guides. Who preserves. Who protects. Who defends. His redeemed. Imagine being an Israelite. After that harrowing, as well as amazing experience of crossing the Red Sea, and then watching the walls of water crash down upon the pursuing host of Pharaoh, having finished listening and participating in, in the song of Moses, that song of deliverance, you now turn around and you look out into the desert. Now what? Israel didn't know where which way to go. Israel needed to be led, and God led by his cloudy pillar. They could not survive in that uninhabitable and inhospitable place. But God made their shoes not wear out. God fed them with angels' food and spread a table in the wilderness and made water spring from the rock. A nation of former slaves, what good are such people in battle? Especially against such fierce foes as are mentioned here. Sihon, the king of the Amorites. And Og, who is known as a giant man. Who undoubtedly led an army of mighty warriors. A band of former slaves is no match against such fierce, well-armed foes who stood in their way and would not let them pass. But God fought for them. God protected them. And though God used the earthly means of the Israelite swords and spears, it was not the Israelite swords and spears that gained the victory. It was not their metal shields that caused the weapons formed against them not to prosper. It was their God. Who would let nothing stand between him and the fulfillment of his promise. And thus for his glory. And for the good. And for the protection. And for the salvation of his people. He smote great kings. He slew famous kings. Their strength, their fame means nothing. Sihon, Og fell. And their land became the heritage of God's people. psalmist reflects on what God had done for the church of his day and the heartbeat of gratitude quickens. We'll give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. God guides and preserves us yet today. He is our great shepherd Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6, 
of our great shepherd's work, the good work which he began in you, he will perform until the day of Christ. As Exodus was a picture of the Exodus through Jesus Christ, so the wilderness wanderings of the Old Testament church are a foreshadowing and a picture divinely designed, a picture of our Christian lives. We are in the wilderness Not the physical wilderness of a desert place or bad lands, but we are in the spiritual wilderness of this world. We are not in Egypt any longer. We have passed out of Egypt by the redemptive work of God. And we must not yearn to go back to Egypt. So often the Israelites did when the road that God was making them through the wilderness was hard and they lusted after the leeks and the fish and the luxuries of Egypt forgetting the bondage they had there. So easily we can be like the Israelites too. We're not in Egypt. We're delivered. But we are in the wilderness. And this world from a spiritual perspective is as inhospitable and uninhabitable as the wilderness of Zin in which the Israelites ran out of food and water and had to depend entirely upon their God. So must we depend entirely upon our God. And what reason we have to depend upon Him. This is another Beautiful thing the psalm brings out. The recounting of God's redemptive, providing, saving, preserving acts of the past. As it were, it just builds up a continual testimony of His faithfulness. So that as we rehearse what God has done in the past, we see what He is doing for us now and what He shall do in the future. The God who was our help in ages past shall be our help and hope for years to come. We're in the wilderness But we have our God with us, our Shepherd King. Who leads us as truly and as really as the the pillar of cloud led the Israelites. He's with us. He leads us by His Word and His Spirit. His rod and His staff. They comfort us even in the valleys of the wilderness. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It doesn't matter that we're in the midst of a wilderness. He furnishes a table in the wilderness. And we too eat the real bread of life. Christ Jesus. By faith in Him. He preserves us. Our going out. Coming in. And when the Sihon of sin stands in the way, God slays him. When the Og of Satan draws his sword, God casts him down. He delivers. He preserves. Even when those mighty foes seem to have the upper hand and their blades are upon our necks, he does not suffer one of his own to perish. None can pluck sheep out of the great shepherd's hand. As David slew the lion and the bear, so Christ the good shepherd breaks the teeth of the roaring lion and delivers his lambs out of the lion's mouth. The wilderness cannot consume the people of God. We're passing through. And as Israel reached Canaan on the other side, So, in God's timing, we reach that heavenly Canaan. 
the heritage of Israel, his servant. And so the psalmist summarizes it all. This is our God who remembers us in our lowest state, who has redeemed us from all our enemies. Full-orbed thanksgiving. That's what this psalm is. Full-orbed thanksgiving for all God's manifold gifts. Now as the psalm recounts all of the gifts of God for which we praise and we thank Him, the psalm also draws our attention and fixes our attention on the graciousness and the mercifulness of God. His steadfast and His faithful love for His people that stands behind all of the wonders that He does for us. So far, we've looked at the first part of every verse. The statement of the reason for thanks. But now we look at the refrain. That regular heartbeat of gratitude. And the refrain, His mercy endures forever, teaches us this amazing truth that all of these great wonders, all of these gifts that we have recounted and for which we give thanks, all of them are a manifestation, in fact, a display of His faithful love. His faithful love for His people who are unworthy of all of the things enumerated in these verses. What stands behind God's gifts, what stands behind the extended mighty arm and stands behind the open hand of bounty is God's faithful love. What's the ultimate explanation for these things? For His mercy endureth forever. That word for is important. It's indicating a reason. It's explaining the ultimate reason for what comes before it in the verse. And so you go through all of this. What's what's the deepest reason? What stands behind it? His mercy endures forever. Mercy is a good translation. Mercy is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible describing God's tender pity and compassion for His people in their miseries. And that's part of the meaning of this word. But it's not the whole of the meaning. And there's really no English word that can fully express the Hebrew here. The Hebrew word, and you've heard this word explained before because it It occurs in many places in the Old Testament. It's a beautiful word used to describe God's covenant relationship with His people. The Hebrew word is chesed. And that word contains love, mercy, grace, all packed into one. And really the root idea is a love that is steadfast, unwavering, and unfailingly faithful. It's the word that describes God's attitude toward His people In the covenant, it describes God's attitude towards His people redeemed by the blood of Christ and brought into that relationship with Him. 
This is how God looks at us for Christ's sake. With a steadfast, faithful love. God's love, just like His mercy and grace, is not merely an attitude, not merely an outlook, but it is a power by which He acts upon the beloved. God's love is never a mere emotion or passion of the heart, but it is always also an activity, an activity that bears the same omnipotent power as all of God's other works. God's love is a love that makes the beloved blessed. It is a love that finds delight in gifting the beloved with good things. Father's love for all his children dear. We sing in Psalm 103. That's the love that the eyes of faith that the psalmist sees behind every gift of God. It's that faithful love, the psalmist says, that endures forever. Perhaps the King James Version that you've looked in has endures in italics. And that's because that word endures isn't there in the Hebrew, though the idea is. Literally, the Hebrew could be rendered, his steadfast love is forever. His faithfulness is without end. And endures Expresses the idea well. Not only is God's mercy, His love and grace without end, without limit, but it is a mercy and grace that can bear anything that is never extinguished. And how important that is because we, like the Israelites, well, think about the kind of people the Israelites were. Just in their wilderness wanderings, how often they provoked God with their ingratitude with their stiff neckedness, with their foolishness, with their distrust, with their rebellion, so much so that at the end of their their journey through the wilderness, they're on the very border of Canaan, and they want to overthrow God's appointed leader, find a new one to lead them back to Egypt. But His mercy endures forever. It never runs out. It's never exhausted. It's never overcome. It never goes away. It never changes. It's an infinite, unchanging, faithful, saving love of God. That's what's behind his gifts. And so you might say the most beautiful theology of the psalm is in the refrain. Let that truth sink into our hearts. Every good gift of God is a manifestation of His faithful love to me. Now make no mistake, to say that is not to say that God's grace is in things themselves so that if we're not given an abundance of riches, that must mean God doesn't love me. No, that's not the case. Because as we'll see in a moment, even when God withholds, even when when God pulls back His hand, that is an act of love. The point is, absolutely everything Absolutely everything God does for us is for our good and behind it is His fatherly love. Every gift He gives, He gives in His grace, not because we are worthy, but because He is faithful. This is true from our daily bread to the redemption of our souls. Everything that we have because God's faithful and His love endures forever. 
every gift we receive testifies his mercy endures forever. And thus the appropriateness of this refrain, every single time we bring up and think about a gift from God, we say, his mercy endures forever. His love is faithful. Indeed, this refrain belongs behind everything that comes from God's fatherly hand. Even his chastening. For as Hebrews 12 says, when the Lord chastens, it's love. He scourges every son he receives. In fact, a complete absence of chastening would be alarming because every son, every daughter of the king, he chastens for our sanctification, for our, refi- for our refinement. Think of Job. Who at the end of chapter 1 said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If Psalm 136 had been written in the days of Job, he could very well have quoted it. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What a comfort that is. That when God gives, Or when God takes. When God makes my road easy. Or when God hems me in with his chastening. In all of it he is good. And in all of it he works for my good. And the same fatherly love stands behind it. And even when on account of my sin. He must chasten me such that he turns. His the favorable countenance away and he frowns upon me and gives me to taste and to sense his displeasure, it is still love behind that frowning countenance. His frown, his displeasure is only meant to bring me back and serves my blessedness. All God's gifts Attest to his faithfulness. His faithful love. A faithful love that provides. A faithful love that redeems. A faithful love that keeps. A faithful love that preserves forever. Forever. His mercy endures forever. His faithful love lasts forever. So let our praise and our thanks be forever. Let our praise and thanks be without limit. Let our praise and thanks never be something we grow tired of. Let us not be weary repeating this refrain. For his mercy endureth forever. May our heart beat with gratitude for him. May our heart beat with gratitude for Jesus Christ above all. There above all do we see His mercy, His faithful love truly is forever. Truly endures forever. For in the gift of Christ, He has redeemed us from sin and death and brought us into all blessedness. Life eternal. At the greatest cost. The greatest personal expense. Precious blood of the only begotten. There 
is the mercy that is forever. There is the love and the grace that is forever. Preeminently displayed. Give thanks for all his gifts. Give thanks for his faithful love. Thoughtful. Heartfelt. Thanks. Let this be our psalm. The beautiful thing about this psalm is it having been written in the Old Testament, there's only so much of covenant history that the psalmist in his day could include here. How much more we can build on this psalm. How much more each of us can add. God's gifts to me, my family, my church family, salvation of my soul. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. And I am forever thankful. Amen. Gracious God, we thank Thee for all Thy gifts. The bounties of the earth, our food and drink, the warmth of family and friends, every good creature given to enjoy. We give thee thanks for the redemption of our souls, the exodus of Jesus Christ from spiritual Egypt, which has delivered us from the dominion of sin and covered us in his blood, sheltering us from holy wrath and bringing us, meriting for us, life everlasting. And for thy care for us as a shepherd, preserving us through our wilderness journey in this world, till at last we receive the fullness of the heritage prepared for us in glory. Give us hearts that beat with gratitude. And may that gratitude fill our days with joy. Though hardships multiply, though there be pain and sorrow, yet may this be a joy inextinguishable. So that every day we say, thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Amen.